Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and joining me as usual on Monday, our great friend, Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy, how are you? Ah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling, relaxing, and uh, I'm looking forward to our talk today. Nice. Yeah, me too. I've been anticipating it all day. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of sad news, though. Um, I usually don't want to start with sad news, but uh, it's just been weighing on me. It's just been uh, grinding me, and I just feel like I need to talk. Maybe you can be my therapist a little bit, and we can figure this out together. Okay. Uh, I, just, I just had a really rough day the, um, the other day, and um, yeah, I'm sure you... Uh, you probably can't empathize with me because you've probably never been there, but I, um, I don't, I have, I have some really fast rules that I don't want to break. And I just have lived my life that way. I've really wanted to always abide by, you know, sort of a code and just not really breaking it. So uh, I feel really uh, just, just gutted that I broke my rule. I, um, I thought to myself, my entire life, I would never pick up dog shit. And I actually did the other day. And uh, oh, I'm just just shocked that I stooped this low. Uh, I don't think you've ever done that. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I left the, uh, this, the group that we're talking about. But um, yeah, I actually stooped to that level. And I actually picked up some dog poop the other day from my girlfriend's dog and i i don't know i feel shame i feel really bad shame how big was the dog <laughs> not too big it's <laughs> not too big luckily the, the luckily the poop wasn't too big it was big enough but it wasn't monster <laughs> so, yeah yeah okay so you dodged the bullet there my friend so that's pretty good yeah um so when you were walking the dog i I'm just, I'm just going to try to figure out the situation. So you're walking the dog with your girlfriend. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't walking the dog. No. Oh, no, no. But yeah. that it was just, did, did it just go in, in the house? Was it in the house? <laughs> no, luckily, uh, he, uh, he went in the backyard, but um, I wanted to, I wanted to go and sit in the backyard on my laptop and enjoy some sun. Uh, just kind of chill and uh, you know uh, take take advantage of the sunshine, uh, but there was some logs out there that were attracting flies like crazy, and I was like, I don't want to sit amongst amongst these logs, so I gotta pick this up, and I just contemplated driving away and going somewhere else with my laptop, and and I just I I just agonized over it for hours, and then I finally just. Did it and yeah, so I could sit in the backyard and in peace. The flies didn't leave when that was gone. Unfortunately, they still thought there was stuff to be had. But but anyway, uh, uh, I didn't walk them. Uh, no, it was just right there, and uh, I need just to you know have some nice enjoyable backyard time. I uh, I actually got <laughs> picked his stuff up. Oh man! Oh man! Okay. Well, that did happen, and, I, and I'm glad you got through it, you know, barely, sounds like, yeah, barely, barely, but, yeah. but you, you did uh, get through it. I guess you've never done that, hey? No, 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 man, no, no, I, I haven't All done right. that, but wow. you could say 
I have possibly done something worse. Some work. <laughs> okay, okay, wow. So, All right. What was that? Uh, it was my godson uh, when he was still a baby. But I, th I don't think he was that much of a baby because he did smile and laugh at me. I think he was ridiculing me because he knew what I had to clean up after. Because all of a sudden I smelt him and I went, no. His father was going to be home in like literally half an hour, but it was too long. So I had to change it. I've never seen anything like that before. And I never want to see anything like that ever, ever again. Ever, uh, like if you could imagine like a, like a mini nuke going off in a child's bum and it just splattering <laughs> up to the top of his back. Like it was it was like right around his neck. I don't oh, know. No. I don't like I was just like, how is this a thing? And he's laughing at me and he's poking, he's pointing the finger, going, You gotta clean that up now. It was hilarious to me. Oh man. Well, maybe, but yeah, yeah. Oh, that was not a lot of fun. So I I I hear you. I I, I actually empathize with you because I've done something far worse. Wow. So yeah, luckily well, you don't know that. No, I, I've done that. Uh, our friend, uh, Mr. Vesa Rantanen, uh, when I went to Finland, I was there. I, uh, I often uh, woke up much earlier than he did. He was a, a late riser. Um, I think maybe he was strategically doing that uh, <laughs> while I was there, but uh, the kid would wake up. And I kind of felt sorry for, yeah, for her, you know, I didn't want her to have to subject herself to being awake in that for, you know, situation for a few hours. So, yeah, so I, I changed her most mornings, gave her, a, gave her a bottle and, you know, she actually went back to sleep most mornings. And uh, so, yeah, I, I feel your pain. I, uh, I had to subject myself to that uh, before, but. I don't know. I think this dog thing was worse, man. Um, you know, I, I don't mind doing that for a human being, for but for a dog, like, come on. It was, it, it just felt wrong, man. It felt so wrong. Will you do it again? That's my next question. No, you're, you um, will. I don't think so. No, no. I think that was the one and only time. I think that was the one and only time. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. Little first and last time. Darren will ever pick up dog poop. All right. All right. I, I look okay. forward to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope we never have to start a podcast off like that again, but I just, I needed some therapy. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. That sounded pretty rough. I'm sure that wasn't the most pleasant thing that you've ever done, but uh, yeah, I, I feel a little bit better. Um, I wish you had somehow in your trails also had uh, encountered some dog things, but uh, no, no, never happened. No, no, never going to happen. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. But. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. Let's get on to the uh, world of sports. Uh, obviously, uh, we love doing this on Monday because there's always so much to talk about over the weekend of sports. Uh, the fantastic thing today is that the NBA regular season ended yesterday. 15 games on the docket. A lot of them actually had playoff implications. A lot of them had these play-in tournament implications as well. I had a blast watching basketball yesterday. There were so many games on that, uh, yeah, had to, you know, had, I had to focus on. I had to 
have some attention to because um, these playoff scenarios started uh, making themselves um, known to to us. And uh, man, I had a fun time. I'm so glad uh, this was a great 72 game regular season. The 75th season of the NBA has has wrapped up before these playoffs. Uh, did you get to see a lot of these uh, great games over the weekend? Yeah, I got to see a couple games here and there for sure. Um, it, you know what, but it, it just give me time to reflect upon the season a little bit. Yeah. And then just, just the fact that the NBA managed to get 72 games in this season Mar- is just Mar- the Mar- testament Mar- to the commitment that the league made to try to get these games done for the broadcasters and all that sort of stuff. Like it's yeah. kind of amazing that yeah. they actually got in this many games. It is. Yeah. Incredible. I agree. Yeah. I, I really had my doubts. Uh, after last year, they decided to go into that bubble and they actually had really a fantastic time there. They didn't have any COVID cases and I thought it was just handled so well that I thought, okay, let's do this season in that same way. And they decided, no, nope, they were going to allow the teams to uh, travel around the country and, you know, have these games. Uh, obviously, it really only affected the Raptors as far as um, yeah having to not be in their home, but all these ho- uh, teams had their home games there. And uh, yeah, it, it was relatively uh, unscathed. Uh, I think the Raptors were, you know, one of the teams that was affected the most from COVID. But um, yeah, incredible that they were able to pull it off through this whole year. And, and it was a fun season to watch, actually. Yeah, it was. It was a it was a ton of fun this season to watch, to watch it all go down, to watch how the league um, dealt with the whole COVID issues and stuff, um, how eventually, slowly but surely, we saw fans come back into the stands so that uh, people could now enjoy the NBA the way that uh, we're used to seeing it, you know, live in action. And, uh, and also, too, just seeing um, just the implications of, for some of the races of who's the best rookie of the year, who's the best, who's the MVP this year. And the MVP conversation that changed drastically throughout the course of the year. Many, 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 many times. I'm very, I'm very interested to see who's going to win at the end of the day. I might, my money's still on the Joker, but um, it's uh, it was a, it was a different, it was a different kind of year for sure. Very challenging for, for teams and for players as well. Yeah. No, it was great. Um, yeah, there was uh, a lot of really great stories. Uh, there had been some players that had changed teams and sort of um, upset the apple cart of it. Uh, it was cool to watch um, pe- people jockeying for position at the top of both conferences and also at the bottom. Last year, they didn't have this play-in tournament. They had the eight regular season games that were um, you know, going to cause the seeding uh, to be decided. This year, they decided to have this play-in tournament. So uh, starting tomorrow, we're going to uh, see some games come together. We're pretty ex- I'm pretty excited about this. It, it, it really made the, um, the, the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth positions uh, something to really focus on and watch. Uh, both conferences had these games that were relevant. Uh, if Golden State was able to win their game, Yesterday, they were going to make it into the eighth place position. They played the Grizzlies and then uh, Charlotte and Washington played against each other. And um, so, yeah, the games were 
had a lot of meaning. And uh, yeah, these these first four games, uh, the first two starting tomorrow, um, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be great because uh, it's a, you know, do or die type of situation for, for these guys. Uh, the first game goes tomorrow. It goes uh, Charlotte Hornets against the Indiana Pacers, uh, 3.30 our time start. And um, yeah, what do you think? Uh, who Who's going to emerge victorious from that first game? From the Charlotte versus the Pacers, huh? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. I, you know what? I, I guess I'll go for the minor upset. I'm going to go with the Hornets. I'm going to go with the Hornets. I'm going to go with the Hornets because uh, – they got their 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 all star rookie back in Lamelo Ball, and uh, I I feel that the team is is getting close to getting there actually like like to get to becoming relevant I guess you could say for sure um, I I think they're maybe a couple moves away from becoming like truly relevant in the league because they got a fun team they really do they got they got a really fun team and it's uh, a very exciting basketball to watch and it it finally. You finally see Jordan kind of gaining a little bit in his role as an owner now. Finally getting together a good package that people want to see. Yeah. Yeah, you and I talked about Jordan and your your love for Charlotte uh, long ago and uh yeah, they this is, has been an exciting team and a lot of um a lot of weapons and you never know who's going to emerge on on a nightly basis who's going to be the the go-to guy. Uh you, you mentioned LaMelo Ball. Obviously, he, he came in and uh, added a dynamic element. Uh, he's really great at his point guard duties. Uh, I see Charlotte, though, um, they, they go into this play-in game. They've lost five in a row. They're three and seven in their last ten. So kind of staggering into, um, into the tournament. Uh, only 15 and 21 away from home. So uh, they have to go into Indiana, who's uh, yeah, they've been five and five in their last 10 one, uh, they won their last game. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm going to lean towards the Pacers. I think, um, Pacers have been through uh, a lot over the years. Uh, it's, 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 it's weird to see them struggling, uh, this much this year, but they have hit, been hit by the injury bug. Um, Brogdon, uh, that's been a big loss for them. He's not been healthy recently. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the Pacers, uh, to beat the Hornets in this one. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, our second game tomorrow goes the eighth place wizards play the seventh place Celtics. And, um, I think actually there's going to be an upset in this one. Uh, to me, um, the wizards, uh, have some, somehow put this all together, uh, Russell Westbrook being on that historic triple-double run. Celtics um, lost Jalen Brown. That was a huge loss for them. And uh, they just don't seem to be able to you know, mesh properly together. Um, but I see the Wizards um, taking this. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree with you. I think the Wizards are on a high. They have momentum going behind them, clearly, with uh, Russ's triple-doubles. And the fact that his triple-doubles do mean something because like their record – for the last 20 games was like ridiculous. It's one of the best in the NBA. So I, and also to the Celtics just don't seem to have that chemistry going on. But it's just something has seemed off with them for the entirety of the year. And especially in the second half of this year, like where whatever was going on chemistry wise, it just seemed to be exacerbated and getting worse. So 
Um, and now that uh, you have Jalen Brown, one of your top guys out, I it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for the Celtics. So, yes, I agree with you. I, I say the Wizards come in, and I think they uh, they put a hurting on uh, the Celtics. Yeah. So then there'll be a, a uh, another play-in game. The uh, the winner of the Celtics Wizards game immediately gets that seventh position. The loser will play the winner of the nine ten Pacers Hornets game, and uh, we'll see the winner of that game, that second game, uh, I guess third game you you call it, uh, will get the eighth place position. Um, whoever gets seventh eighth, uh, it's gonna be a really really tough go because we see the 76ers they won their conference championship first time since 2001 uh fantastic year at 49 and 23 eight and two in their last 10 29 and seven at home so deadly 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 team at home amazing 31 and 11 record in the conference uh yeah so whoever finishes eighth is gonna have to f uh, face the sixers and then uh, Brooklyn ended up one game back in second place. Uh, no picnic there. We've got the big three all healthy, seeming like uh, they're back. And uh, one of the teams are going to have to face them. So uh, great that you're going to get in. But, uh, whoa, you're going to have to face some very, very, very tough competition immediately. Yeah, you, you, that, that's, that's, uh, that's your gift. That, that's what you win is you get to play one of those teams. That, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like it's, that is uh, some tough sledding for sure. Um, I, I think it kind of goes without saying, I think, I believe I know how those, uh, how those series are going to end. <laughs> I think 76ers push on, I think the Mets push on to the next round, but um, hopefully whoever comes seventh or eighth can actually make a series of it, maybe win a game, win two. But I, I would say that would probably be the max of what they're able to do with those top two teams in the East. Yeah. The, uh, the two series that we know are already set uh, have the Bucks uh, third place, 46 and 26 on the year, facing off against the Heat, uh, 40 and 32 on the year. Um, the Heat pulled a big upset on Milwaukee last year and uh, had that historic run in the bubble where they went to the finals uh, and uh, faced the Lakers. Uh, do you see the Heat being able to upset the Bucs again? It's possible, but I don't think so. And I think, and, I, and I've, I've alluded to this before on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again, I think the major, major difference this year with the Bucs as opposed to previous years is Drew Holiday. I think he changes the whole dynamic of that team to to an extent that now they have championship aspirations. I think he makes that much of a difference for that team. And with him on that team, I believe the Bucks now have the capital to push past the Miami Heat. I think Miami's going to give them a big run. Uh, Bam Adebayo seems like a big Giannis stopper. I think he's um, he's got the ability to um, force Giannis to put him in the hands of others. I think uh, Drew Holiday uh, it was a fantastic addition for Milwaukee. And, uh, yeah, just his defense uh, in alone is very, very crucial and very key to shutting down many of the elements of the Heat. I don't know why the Heat um, didn't play so much better this year, coming off that 
bubble run. They, they just seemed like they had figured it out, uh, all the pieces in place. Um, I was disappointed in much of their year this year. They struggled a lot. Uh, they do come in uh, winning eight of their last 10 and, and playing quite well finally. But um, yeah, I think Milwaukee finally pushes uh, you know, ahead, has the elements they need. Uh, I think they, they probably do win that, uh, like you say. So uh, yeah, can't wait for that one. Uh, the other series that's um, quite a surprise um, has the Knicks and the Hawks. Uh, Hawks were terrible last year. So the Knicks have been terrible for many years. Uh, Knicks were able to actually get in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. They'll have home court advantage on the Hawks. They both finished with the same record, but Knicks had the tiebreaker. Uh, they both go in seven and three in their last 10. The Knicks are on a three-game winning streak. The Hawks are on a four-game winning streak. Um, man, this is going to be an incredible tight battle. Uh, Randall might uh, swing the uh, favor a little bit in the Knicks, but um, yeah, where do you see this one playing out? I, I, I think this is going to be an excellent series being played. I think actually out of, the, out of this first round, this could be a seven-game series. Yeah. Could be. I, I, teams are super close um, in, in talent, and I think, I think you're right. I think the swing may go to Julie, uh, Julian Randle's way because of him, because of that player. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it, 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 this is tough. This is tough because I also want to say that for Atlanta, Bogdanovich has been playing unbelievable basketball right now. Like his mm-hmm. shot has been sweet, nice. Uh, yeah, this is good. This is a very tough series to see who comes out on top because I, I, I could easily see the Hawks coming out of yeah. this as well. But I'm, I'm going to go with the. I think Randall is the difference maker in this. Series. Yeah, Randall's the uh, only Nick to ever have. 25 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists uh, in a season average. Uh, incredible year for him. Uh, even, you know, into an MVP type of conversation at times this year, he's been just phenomenal. R.J. Barrett um, had a bit of a down year last year. This year, he's been just really phenomenal, very, very solid. Uh, Derek Rose coming in there. Uh, Tom Thibodeau uh, turning this franchise around, giving them relevancy. Uh, it's great to see the, the Nets and the Knicks both you know, really at the top of this conference and uh, super fun. I, I love what the Hawks did in the off season uh, with Trey Young, you know, being such a dynamic rookie last year. Uh, they just didn't have the pieces, but they go and get Capella. They go, go Bogdanovich. They, they put a lot of things together. And I love when teams really, really surround themselves around these young guys with a lot of veteran presence and a lot of guys that can, you know, bring it through the year. Uh, I love the Hawks. I love watching them. They're a fun team to watch. And, and uh, this series, yeah, man, uh, I think it has all the elements of a long seven-game drawn-out series. And it's going to be a huge battle. It's going to be fun. No, no, it's going to be fun, like, especially out of all the series in the Eastern Conference. This is the one I think that will be the most entertaining to watch. Yeah. Okay, let's turn to the West. Uh, we've got um, the play-in game start Wednesday uh, in the West. Uh, the Spurs and the Grizzlies uh, face off 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern on, on Wednesday. Uh, I think the Grizzlies, um, yeah, take this, in my opinion. Uh, the Spurs um, have been relevant and, and great for so long on a very long playoff streak. Uh, we saw Tim Duncan make it into the... NBA Hall of Fame this this weekend induction ceremony. 
but uh, I think the Grizzlies are the new guys on the block, and I think uh, they have enough to to knock off the Spurs in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the Grizzlies have more star talent um, to push through than the, what the Spurs have at this moment. And um, yeah, I, I I think I just think that the Grizzlies have more. They have yeah. more than what the Spurs currently have. And I think that's what will get them through to the next round. And then the late game, uh, somebody that's uh, a game that's a lot of people are anticipating. A lot of excitement was like, wow, the Lakers have fallen this far down the standings because of injuries. And uh, we get to see Steph against LeBron. LeBron called Steph the MVP in his opinion yesterday. Uh, A lot of hype going around this game. Uh, do you see the Warriors having a chance to uh, to knock off the Lakers in this one? Yes. Yes, I do, because Steph Curry will be playing, and whatever he does can be just magical, mythical, like a legendary. <laughs> like, if he has one of those games where he's just on fire and he's hitting 10 or 11 threes, anything's possible, anything can happen. You know, like, and, and that's just – that's a testament to how good Steph is, is that he could come in and steal a game against uh, a team like the Lakers with LeBron and AD, like all-time generational talents. Yeah, he um, stepped up yesterday. He usually takes a lot of time off in a game. He typically only plays, you know, 30, 32 minutes. Uh, he played 40 minutes yesterday, 46 points. He passed a 2,000-point barrier for only the second time in his career. And he won the scoring title for the second time in his career. 2015-2016 was his last title. Uh, The only other guy to win a title at his age or older is Michael Jordan. So uh, elite company he goes into. uh, Just an amazing year for Steph. So fun to watch. You and I have been talking about him almost every single podcast. Uh, Man, uh, this has been so great. And I would love to see him continue this get a victory here, get themselves in the playoffs and give them a, an opportunity to have a four, you know, a full uh, series um, to see what he can do. He's going to, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Because as I've said before, in the beginning of this year, of this year, it's kind of all on him. All the defenses is keyed on him. And guess what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're keying on him. It doesn't matter that, you're trying just to stop this one dude. That one dude is so good that you can't stop him. You can just try to contain him, try to mitigate just how much he does score on you because he's going to score regardless. So hopefully he doesn't have an offensive explosion of 40 to 50 points because now you have a real problem. Maybe you can just keep him at 30, you know? Because that, yeah. And that's what you're looking at. That's what you're looking at. Hopefully we can just keep the guy at 30. Yeah, well, that was his 11th game in the season with 40 or more points. Uh, he uh, he just um, had to get uh, only one bucket yesterday to beat Bradley Beal for the scoring title, uh, securing that um, eighth spot. Uh, he becomes only the fourth player all time to have multiple scoring titles, multiple MVPs, and multiple championships. Jordan. Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are the only guys in that conversation. So uh, immediate Hall of Fame. We know it now. There's no, you know, there's definitely no uh, question about it. 
Golden State has won six in a row to make it into this play-in tournament. And, uh, man, uh, it's so great. I've got lots of Warrior stuff up here. Uh, I don't want to have to take it down for weeks and weeks. Hopefully uh, they can win. Uh, let's see who they will possibly uh, face off against, though, uh, if they if they do make it um, into these um, – the, the, into the you know top eight, um, the Utah Jazz uh, won their uh, regular season championship first time in their history. They had the best record. Uh, very 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 tough team. Uh, incredible defense. Uh, they yeah they've just had a phenomenal year. Only lost five games at home the entire season. Uh, just nudging out the Suns by one game. Uh, so it's either the Jazz or the Suns. Um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Golden State's under man, but do they have a chance against either team? No. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, man. Just no, because with the, lead, with the Jazz, you got a team in top five in offensive efficiency and defense of efficiency. So, you know what? Like, there's, there's, no, there's no weakness in the Jazz's game at this point. And I believe they're averaging, like, hitting 16 threes a game which is, again, tops in the league. And then the Suns with uh, Chris Paul leading the crew and Booker having a, a sensational year. I, I, don't see, I don't see the Warriors being able to get past any of those two teams because, because of the fact Steph is amazing, but when you're encountering those, t- a t- those two teams at that level, he doesn't have enough to get him over the hump to push forward. Like, if he had Clay Thompson, well, then this is a different season altogether, but... Unfortunately, he doesn't have his partner with him at this moment. Okay, what about the Lakers? Uh, they've won five in a row to get into this play-in game. They didn't want to get in there. LeBron said somebody should be fired for bringing up this thing at all. Uh, they, uh, you know, they ended up finishing the same record as the Mavs and the Blazers, but uh, tiebreaker puts them down in seventh place. Uh, if the if the Warriors do beat them with Steph going off and maybe scoring fifty or so. Uh, can they could they lose to the Grizzlies or the Spurs? The Lakers, no, 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 I'm, I'm no, <laughs> I'll, I'll give I'll give Steph the chance that yes, he can beat them, but the Lakers are not going to lose to the Spurs or the Grizzlies. No, that that's not going to be a thing because I don't believe LeBron would even consider that being a possibility, so it's not a possibility. So, uh, right at right at the very end of last night's game, I think only about five six minutes left in the game. LeBron went down, uh, tweaked his ankle again. I heard the biggest sigh I've heard in basketball history. I think all the Lakers fans were so scared and so worried. Uh, you and I actually we've been talking about LeBron, and I said LeBron's going to get hurt this year. They're playing him way too much. And he's going, he's susceptible to an injury at this age. He had that high ankle injury and it put him out for so long, so, so, so long. The only reason why the Lakers are in this position is, is because of the injuries they had. Um, do you think LeBron could possibly get injured though in these, these games? Uh, they're going to try to have to play him 40 to you know 48 minutes. He's going to be in there the whole entire game. Uh, you know, if he, if he gets hurt, boom, you know, they could be out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they can definitely be out in a heartbeat. And just the nature of his injury, that high ankle sprain, is 
it's a sucky injury to get over. It will take longer than what you think it will take. It just does. And so since he does have that injury, it is there. It is nagging. Um, it's very possible that through one of these these games, one or two games, whatever he ends up playing, that he could re-aggravate it to the point that he can't play. And then if that does happen, I don't know if you can depend on Anthony Davis to get you to where you need to go until he's able to play again, that being LeBron. Like, you know, like, and also too, there's, there's no, there's nothing to say that Anthony Davis doesn't hurt himself too, as well, because he's been dealing with a number of nagging injuries as well. So at, it's, they're banged up for sure. And it's going to be a very hard road for them to get through these playoffs without sustaining more injuries. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you have, okay, we're predicting the, the Lakers and the Warriors are going to be the two teams making it in here. Uh, yeah, do yeah. the Lakers have a shot, uh, you know, beating, beating this whole entire Western conference going on this run over two months? I don't know. Uh, can the jazz and the Suns beat the Lakers? Uh, if, if the Lakers, obviously if the Lakers stay healthy, yeah, for sure. But uh, these, these nagging injuries, uh, they've been cropping up all year for these guys. I don't know. I think um, there's uh, the, the Lakers are ripe for an upset and they won't be able to repeat uh, as champions this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of things that conspired, unfortunately, against them this year to make that more reality than it's ever been. They do have the potential to beat these two teams, whatever team that may be, the Jazz or the Suns. They do have that. But, you know, and they, they've experienced a lot of hardship and injuries and stuff. And it, there's nothing to say that they'll be able to continue to play in every playoff game. And then that and that's that's the thing right there. And then these other two teams have basically had their their starting rosters for the entire year. So they have continuity. They know how to play with each other. Whereas these guys are coming back from injury and they're trying to relearn how to play with one another again, where they're already a step ahead. So I, it's possible, but I don't think it's likely. That's, that's what, that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. Home, uh, home court advantage won't be with the Lakers uh, finishing this far down. Uh, they won't be able to be a home team uh, at all through this, through these playoffs. It looks like, um, the, the, the matchups that are already established, uh, we've got the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, and they played yesterday. Trailblazers smoked them, uh, played really great, uh, very solid. Uh, Dame Lillard is playing out of his mind these days, and uh, yeah, fantastic um, year for him as always. Um, can the Blazers beat the Nuggets? Before I would say no, they couldn't if Jamal Murray was healthy. Now that he's not healthy, it's a lot closer a series than what it would have been, for sure. Um, I, I, I'm, I'd say that the Trailblazers have a shot. they got a chance. But Jokic has been playing exceedingly well since the injury to Jamal Murray. So you still have to contend with that guy. And I don't think Nurkic... I don't think Nurkic is enough to, to guard him one-on-one. -on -one. You need to throw more people at him. And if you throw more people at Jokic, he has the ability to dissect you apart. He will pick you apart like he's like Peyton Manning out there and just be like, oh, that guy's open. Why would you do that? You shouldn't double-team me ever. Like it, 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 it is like that. So a very interesting series to watch um, 
I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I'm going to go with who I've been ranting and raving who's going to win the MVP, which I still believe. I think I'm going to go with uh, Jokic. I think this is his turning point where he makes that leap to, yes, I'm a star, but now I'm a bona fide superstar because I can lead my team through this first round without my guy, without my running mate or my partner. And if he can do that, then yes. But at the same time, I really have to mention this. You can't discount game time. You no. just really can't. If that dude has the ball in, the, at the, in his hands at the end of the game and he has a chance to win, well, you better guard him at 40 feet out because he'll take that shot and he can hit it. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah, yeah, he's as lethal as Steph is from uh, outside. And, yeah, he's uh, great. I think it's going to be an amazing battle with Nurkic. And Jokic, I think, uh, yeah, Nurkic is a, a very great big man himself. I think uh, he'll give him a lot of fits. Uh, even uh, even when he's off the floor, Ennis Cantor, I think, is a great center and, and has ability to do a lot for them. Uh, I think the Blazers have a lot to offer, and I think it's great. Uh, Jamal Murray is a huge loss for the Nuggets, and I think the Blazers are going to push this to seven, and uh, I think Dame can can take the series. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm putting my money on the Blazers. Let's uh, see how they uh, yeah how how it pans out. But um, the other series that's uh, set is the Clippers and the Mavericks, and uh, it looked like the Clippers tanked to get into that fourth position, so they didn't have to face the Lakers early on. Uh, was it a good move? We'll see. Um, you, you and I have talked so much this year. It's going down to, you know, can they exercise the demons of uh, a bad year last year in the bubble? Uh, do the Clippers have enough? I think they're better than the Mavericks, so they probably will win this series. But um, was it wrong of them to try to tank to keep the Lakers on the outside until later on in the playoffs? It could be actually a pretty strategically savvy move on their part because they just made the road to get to the finals easier on themselves. So, yeah, I, I, you know what? One of the rare times I'll probably ever agree with any team tanking, but this, this actually kind of makes a lot more sense for them to tank the way that they did because now they get to play the Mavericks and it's a team that they've already played in the playoffs and they know how good Luca is, so maybe their 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 approach to this particular series is like, well, let Luca get his, and then we'll shut everybody else down, right? And then make the make the series even easier because Luca's gonna get you one or two games, just because he's Luca Doncic, and that's it. And that that's something you'll be have to be willing to say, all right, well, he's gonna get us one or two times, just as long as he doesn't get us four, then we're gonna be good. Yeah, so I I, I I firmly believe the Clippers come out on top of this particular series just because they have the better team. Now, if the Mavericks actually had a healthy Pozingas and he was playing like how he did with the Knicks, well, this is a different series altogether. But unfortunately, he's not playing at that level yet. Uh, a lot of people say that the Lakers seem more vulnerable right now because LeBron hasn't been playing. They're banged up and they, uh, you know, don't have uh, cohesive uh, team play right now. So they're a little more vulnerable early if they can get together and start winning, start playing like the Lakers, they should. Uh, I think they might be more uh, tough later on in the series. So we'll see um, how it pans out, but, 
Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see the Lakers in this play-in tournament. Uh, I can't wait for that game against the Warriors. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the best games. It could be one of the most widely watched games in the NBA history. I think uh, there's going to be so much drama going on. It There's not animosity between these teams, even though LeBron and Steph faced each other four times in a row in the finals. Uh, there's not that animosity that people love sometimes, but um, both guys are, you know, still two of the best players in the world. And it's going to be mano a mano at times. Uh, it'll be really, really fun to watch. Yeah. And I hope it is a lot of mano a mano. I hope one guy comes down and be like, oh, Steph hits a three. And then LeBron goes, oh, LeBron comes right back. It's another, like, I want it to be like that. I want it to be a heavyweight matchup where these guys are just like, oh, I heard you were pretty good. Hey. I'm pretty good too, you know, like, and then they just go at it. They just get after each other. I think that's, I think that's great. I think it's great for the game, great for the sport, like especially when those competitive juices start running between two of the greatest that we've ever seen. I, I, I hope we're in for a treat. I really do. Yeah. No, it could be uh, one of the most fun games ever. Uh, it's going to be great. And it's pretty cool that it's, that it actually ended up happening. There was anticipation on it lately, but it actually occurred. So yeah, so it's going to be a fun week. I can't wait. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. I can't wait for all the matchups to be uh, decided. Uh, these six games in this play-in tournament uh, over the next few days are going to be super fun. I, um, yeah, I, I think it adds an element that I think the NBA should go to year after year. I know they did this from for COVID purposes, but I think uh, it adds uh, excitement at the bottom of the conference and um yeah i i hope it continues on and on yeah it, it it just gets people just a little bit more vested than they what what they already were you know like and and also too it gets the teams at the bottom a chance to get in you know like and then that gets them more invested too as well like so that you have less teams that are just being like okay well we're not getting in time to tank so we can get the first round draft pick or whatever right so yeah, uh, Raptors obviously had a tough year. They uh, yeah, definitely were ravaged by COVID. Uh, just didn't seem to have the horses this year to pull it off. Finished 12, 27 and 45. Uh, they were nomads. They were on the road, uh, you know, the entire year really uh, playing in Tampa Bay. Uh, they lost uh, nine of their last 10, seven in a row. Uh, started resting a lot of the guys at the end and playing some of their younger guys to see what they had. Um, there's a lot of talk now about uh, what do they have to do and how they have to pull it off. Uh, but there have been some people saying that the biggest need for them to do is get Masai Ujiri a new contract and make sure the architect of this championship team and the team that has been so good for so long has to be uh, put under contract so he can move forward and figure out the pieces he needs. Um, do you agree that that's their biggest um, off-season uh, signing that they have to do right away? Yes. Yes, because he's been the only one that has actually been successful in his endeavor to get the city a championship. Mm -hmm. The only one dude that's ever done that, that's him. So it would probably be to, uh, in their best interest to re-sign him so that he can possibly do it again, maybe, yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy. Uh, I'm amazed that they, they let him get this far, close to uh, yeah, being able to be 
wooed by other organizations. Uh, he, he did such a good job in Denver. Phenomenal job in Toronto. He made some very bold, bold, bold moves. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're willing to pay $30 million to some of their stars, and they're not willing to buck up and pay some, you know, millions of dollars to this guy who's the architect of putting the guys on the floor that they need. I'm really shocked that um, he's not under contract for life. And, uh, yeah, they better get him signed really quick. Uh, I guess the other conversation is Kyle Lowry. Uh, I was happy that he didn't get traded at the deadline. There was so much speculation that he was done. Uh, he might have played his last game in a Raptors uniform, but uh, I don't think the um, – I don't think enough teams out there were willing to gamble on him at his age and pay him the kind of money that I thought think he thought he was – going to be worth so the raptors might have the ability to sign him uh you know they might be able to pay him a little bit less than he's been making and still get him under contract uh do you think that they do it's a possibility but i think i think somebody out there is going to give kyle lauer the money that he wants i guess it's just more dependent upon does he like the fit you know because sure. like i think wherever he wants to go he's going to get paid because he's he's earned that now, like he's 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 got that right. type of juice going for him, where he can go somewhere and get what he believes he should be paid. I like I, I firmly believe that. But it would be pretty awesome if the Raptors could resign him, and then we have Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry back as a backcourt again. Which I I think they they're definitely underestimated in the league. I think that's one of the best backcourts in the league. Like it's one of the low key. Don't really think about them, but if you do think about them in any sort of context, you know that those two are really that good. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet's come so far, uh, undrafted free agent uh, coming in, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I hope he stays. Um, you know, he's he's got so many Raptors records. Uh, he's just been such a great guy to have in a Raptors uniform here in Canada. He's such a proponent for the team, the country. There's so many good things about Kyle Lowry. Uh, he's going to get a statue out front of the arena, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, he's going to be revered forever. Be really nice to see him stay. Uh, I think Chris Paul doing so well in Phoenix. I think uh, it really harms the Raptors signing him because there was so much speculation. Should we pay Chris Paul this kind of money? He's old. He's, uh, you know, not going to be able to bring the things that he used to, uh, but he's had so much success in Phoenix that I think a lot of people will see Lowry being able to do the same thing or, or more uh, with an organization. Oh, yeah. Like, I, they, it's already been done, so now they know it can be done again. Yeah. And Kyle Lowry definitely has the capabilities to do what Chris Paul has done. Like, Kyle Lowry actually had the, 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 the assets – to put you over the top, depending upon uh, what team he's going to be a part of. Like he, he has that, he has that capital. I can put you over the top, depending upon the scenario, what team I'm put on. So I think other, like other teams are going to look at him and be like, Whoa. we got him. We had him like, like, let's say this, for example, like let's say if the 76ers were to have Kyle Lowry right now. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> that's not a fun team to play anymore. You know what I mean? Like they're not fun to play as is you add somebody of that caliber to a team like that. Well, well now 
you, you, you got yourself a problem. <laughs> that would have been a hell of an acquisition. I think he would have fit so well there. It's his hometown as well. And yeah, I think they, you know, they would have put them over the top and, you know, really made a lot of people wonder if they could, you know, upset the nets and beat them. And yeah, what a year they had. They, they have so many pieces, but that would have been, yeah, just phenomenal. Uh, this has also been a really, really amazing year for Canadians in the NBA. We've seen so many guys emerge, so many guys getting a lot of court time. When they get the time, they're really shining. Uh, I think uh, NBA basketball has never been better from a Canadian perspective. And uh, I think it's just only getting better and better year after year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. And then if our talent here gets better that means that our like our our national team gets that much better too as well like with the development of these guys in the league then development of our team our national team is just that much better so as as long as far as i'm concerned as long as we keep getting more guys in then we're just going to get more out of it especially on like uh, the national stage and then maybe at some point in time we could actually contend for a medal you know like if we continue going on our trajectory that we're going on right now um you know, like the future looks bright and it's not out of the realm of possibility for winning a medal if this continues on. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's been fun. Fun to watch. So many guys emerging. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're right about that for sure. Uh, the other big thing that happened this weekend was they finally inducted the 2020 class to the NBA Hall of Fame. And uh, the name that uh, was on the tip of everybody's tongue during this class was Kobe Bryant. Uh, Michael Jordan uh, was one of the uh, inductees for him. And Vanessa Bryant had a, a very heartfelt speech. Um, man, this is one classy woman. I was so impressed with um, how she handled herself and the speech she gave um, through such tough times, losing her husband and her daughter. Um, yeah, it was uh, Great to see him inducted. Uh, tough to watch because you know the pain that everybody's going through. But uh, probably the greatest Hall of Fame class to ever be inducted. Kobe, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Rudy Tomdanovich, and Tamika Catchings, among others. Uh, man, that was, that was great to watch uh, this weekend. Yeah, it was. And also, too, I don't know if you'll ever have a Hall of Fame class of that caliber ever again. Yeah. be honest with you because you could easily say that those three guys that went in with Tim Duncan, KG and Kobe are in the top 30 ever, ever <laughs> top 30 guys ever to play the sport. And they all went in at the same time. Unfortunately, one of them couldn't be with us as he went in, but um, it was a good, it was a great night. It was a good reflective night for the things that we've gained and the things that we've lost. And, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Miss Bryant's speech was powerful, and it was well said on behalf of her husband. No, she did an amazing job. Under such tough circumstances, man, uh, yeah, super, super impressive. Uh, also on the heels of this, they've named the 2021 class which will be actually inducted in their ceremony September 11th. And uh, some really big names going in this uh, year as well. Uh, Chris Bosch, uh, former Toronto Raptor, uh, was able to get a couple championships in Miami. Paul Pierce, 
Chris Weber and Ben Wallace. Um, yeah, lots of very classy, very great individuals um, going in this year as well. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm actually was really happy to see that Ben Wallace got in. I've, I've always thought that it, it's not, sometimes it's not the stats that tell the story. It's everything else that does. And he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that his stats don't look great. So you look at it and go, well, why is he in the Hall of Fame? It's just because, well, he's defensive player of the year, like I think three out of four years. Like he had like a five or six year stretch where he was, you, anybody that you threw at him, he was pretty much going to shut you down, except for Shaq. And Shaq had wars with like real wars where it's just like, oh no, that's Shaq. He's just going to bulldoze you. Could not bulldoze Ben Wallace. So I'm, I'm super happy to see him get in and and then Paul Pierce the truth uh, I wonder how he's going to do his induction is he going to have some women up there with him no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, but it's a but it's a strong it's a, it's a strong strong class not as strong as this one but it's it's still it's 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 good it's good it was cool to see Bill Russell's being inducted as a coach uh, Bill was the first black coach in NBA history first black coach in North American sports and the first ever to win a title. Uh, everybody talks about his amazing career as a player, but uh, phenomenal trailblazer as well in the coaching realm. He was a player coach his first couple seasons. Uh, he won 11 titles in a row and then was able to take over from a legend there and continue Boston's superiority. And uh, yeah, pretty neat to see uh, him inducted as a coach too. Yeah, uh, it's it's deserving, and then also too, just from all the superlatives that you just gave him, all the things that he's done for the game. Like I, I think it's great that the league always pays it back to those that trailblaze for them uh, forwards, and that's why this guy's always at the finals games. That's why he always hands over uh, the, the trophy to the winning team and stuff. That, that that's Bill Russell has done so much for the league just by being himself that, yeah, you have to honor that. And, uh, and then that's one of the ways that they've done. So now he's not only in as a player, but as a coach as well. And that can be to a more deserving man. And they uh, just gave an award, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, we'll, they will be giving an award for social um, justice champions, uh, given out to somebody that um, displays that. Uh, I was really happy that um, the NBA has decided to name an award and uh, name it after, you know, one of the best humanitarians to ever live. Yeah. And it's, it, it comes at the right time because uh, as we've all gone through this together and we've all grown together through this, um, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's a sign of the times. That's why this, uh, this particular, uh, gift has been given to us so that they can give it out to the players and stuff. So I, I, I completely agree with it. I, I, I love the fact that they've done this and I love the fact that they've done this honor through a man that has, well, he's one of the greatest players to ever play. So yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's good to see. This 2021 class, I, I want to uh, mention a bunch of names that I didn't mention off the top as well. They should get their due too. Um, Bill Russell was the coach, uh, as well as Rick Adelman and Jay Wright, coaches nominated. 
Uh, two WNBA players, Yolanda Griffith and Lauren Jackson, are making it in. Uh, then we've got some builders, Val Ackerman, Cotton Finn-Simmons, Howard Garfinkel, Bob Dandridge, Pearl Moore, Clarence Jenkins. And in international category, Tony Kukoc uh, is making it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, pretty cool. Tony had a great international career and is being recognized um, as well for that. So, um, yeah, love, love seeing the Hall of Fame inductions. Uh, fantastic. It's pretty wild that we're having two this year because of COVID canceling the one last year. Uh, it's going to be uh, great to, to see it in September. Uh, I also want to do the media category too. Uh, Michael Wilbon, uh, Mike Breen won uh, in their respective categories. And inside the NBA, uh, there are four guys on the panel are now Hall of Famers in their own right for their broadcasting prowess. And my favorite uh, show on TV inside the NBA, we get to see it every Thursday. And uh, yeah, well-deserving. Uh, they have revolutionized the coverage of basketball and they're so fun to watch. Must see TV. You and I uh, definitely love these guys. Yeah, I, 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 lo I love them when they're right. I love them when they're wrong. I, I just love to watch them. And uh, they it's just great entertainment value, what those guys bring uh, to the show and what they give to us, the audience, the fans and stuff. It, it's, it's fantastic. You can't really, that's a hard thing to replicate. And they were lucky to strike uh, lightning in a bottle for this time and this, uh, for all of us. And it, it's, it's, it's fantastic that all of them were up there. And as I was talking to you before we started, that Ernie's been doing that thing for 30 years, man, 30 years. And like, what, what a, what a ride, what, what a roller coaster, and for it to develop for it, it just being him, and then being Kenny the Jet Smith, and then Chuck, and then Shaq, and to build it to what it is now, like it's just, it's just awesome. It's just a testament to how good the show is now, and it had the potential to get to where it is, you know, like it, it, it truly did. But you had to have the right guy to mesh with those, these basketball personalities these icons and ernie was the right guy he's one, one of my favorite all-time broadcasters of all time he's just amazing he really is oh, he set the bar so high he's so respected and he's just amazing he is he is such and such a such a great host and and so fun he's perfect for those three personalities uh the way he's professionalism and he's able to you know be very jovial at times and uh, he just adds so much he, he's just he deserves to be in the hall of fame for sure and uh such a great honor to see and i i'm amazed 30 years when you said that to me earlier today uh just blew my mind i had no idea that it had been that many years now and he's held it together and as they've added the uh, new stars um man yeah this show is just something that you you can't miss if you're a fan of just laughing Watching guys have a good time, talking about sports a little bit, but talking about life, uh, tune in. I think you'll, you'll become a fan, even if you're not a basketball fan. Uh, Inside the NBA is just the, the best show on TV. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you just said. They're just, it's just, it's just that good. It's just genuine. You know, like that's kind of what jumps off the screen to me is that these guys are completely genuine. They truly care about one another. And they, they truly care about what they're talking about. They love the game. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, okay. We went pretty long on, uh, NBA basketball, but, uh, yeah, historic regular season, amazing play in tournament coming playoffs start the end of the week. Uh, yeah, we needed to talk a lot about the NBA today, but I'm glad we did. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, why don't we shift to, uh, UFC 262, uh, held in Houston, Texas this Saturday, uh, great card put together. We were going to see a new lightweight champion after Khabib Nurmagomedov had decided to retire. Uh, they decided to make this fight between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. And I am so happy that Oliveira won. I didn't think Chandler deserved this title shot this soon. He came from Bellator. Sure, he was a champion there for a few uh, few years, but I didn't think uh, he had paid his dues enough to uh, get into that title contention already. But uh, Charles Oliveira, man, what a tough guy. On a nine-fight winning streak after the longest fight, the, the longest amount of fights to find himself in a title uh, a challenger elimination fight like this, uh, great to see him finally put the strap around his waist. Uh, what a battle, what a war, what an incredible finish. And um, yeah, the new champion, Charles Oliveira, the 11th undisputed lightweight champion in USC history. Pretty historic moment, and um, I loved every minute of it. I've never seen anybody, I've never seen anybody with that much joy winning the belt. Like, I, I've never, I've never seen that before. Like, he was truly, like, all the, the joy that he felt at that moment was a testament to all the work that he put in to get to that point to win the belt, to win the strap. And I got to be honest, man, it didn't look good. It didn't look good at the beginning of that fight because <laughs> Oliveira came out hard, calf kicks, very technically savvy. But eventually, like Chandler, uh, what, what was it? He, he went for that guillotine choke. And then I believe Oliveira slipped out of it, had his back, Chandler does the slam and then pretty much kind of powers out of like the, out of the leg lock. Right. And, and then just starts pounding on Oliveira. Like, like it, the, all the momentum going into the second round was on Chandler's side because he rocked Oliveira and looked like, Oh my goodness. Like once the second round starts, Oliveira, this might not, this might be it. Then he comes out guns ablaze pretty much. And Oliveira was just the technique, just how technical that left hook came in. And that's what turned the fight. Like it turned immediately. Where I, here I am thinking, I think Chandler's going to take Oliveira out to, no, I guess the fights are going to be over and Oliveira's going to win. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, to see oh, amazing. Was yeah. Amazing to, yeah, finish the round. In trouble a bit uh, in that first round, went into his corner. Somehow his corner uh, was able to, you know, pull the right strings, tell him, you know, how to come out. And uh, he came out uh, and had Chandler out 19 seconds into that second round. Uh, incredible comeback and uh, phenomenal. He was just, he just put Chandler in so much trouble and Chandler just wasn't able to stand anymore. Finally going down, uh, the referee comes in and, uh, Dan Mergliata pulls him off. Uh, yeah, Oliveira's the champion. And I bet you if you gave every single person that was watching that fight an ability to make a bet right at that moment, 
98% of the people would have bet on Chandler, uh, but Oliveira turned it around and 20 seconds later, he's the champion. And uh, it was, it was a spectacular finish. Yeah, it was, it was spectacular. And it was well-deserved for Oliveira who has been grinding for so long, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. he's been grinding for so long and everybody always feels like there's that guy down there that's really good as well. I wonder what will happen if he ever gets a shot. Well, this is what happened when he got a shot. Capitalized, got the belt. Um, now the next question is, who does he fight next? Because everybody that he gets the honor of fighting next is super tough. Eight, any of these fights, probably for the next three of his fights, none of them are fun. None, none of them are fun. Not, not one. So I... I'm, I'm very curious to see who gets the next shot at the champ. Could be Gaethje because he kind of makes a lot of sense. I don't know if it will be him. I don't know if it'll wait for whoever, if the Poirier-Connor fight still is a go-ahead. I, I believe it is, hopefully. But, uh, but if, that's, if they don't go with the winner of that, then it has to be Gaethje, as far as I'm concerned. This um, was the most fights to ever – to be in the USC to win your first undisputed championship. That was 20, his 28th USC fight. He uh, beat Michael Bisping, who had won his belt at 26 uh, USC fights. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, 18, and Max Holloway, 17. So um, amazing to see Oliveira after 11 years in the UFC. He struggled um, a little bit in his career. Uh, I think he was in the wrong weight class, possibly. Uh, but once he went on this roll, nine fights in a row, uh, look out. I think, um, yeah, he's he's going to be favored against pretty much anybody. Uh, you mentioned the Poirier-McGregor fight. Yeah, we hope it happens. Uh, it'd be nice to see either one of them get a shot at the, the belt. Uh, but, yeah, Gaethje's right in the mix there um, if they want to put it on before. Uh, Poirier McGregor were already the winner of that one. Uh, I think it'll be a heck of a battle. Gaethje's um, been great uh, recently. And uh, it was a record $4 million gate, the most ever for the Toyos, Toyota Center, 16,000 plus sellout. Uh, they kept showing tons of celebrities, lots of great athletes, lots of big names in the crowd. Uh, you and I were pretty critical of when they had a crowd down in Florida. Uh, I didn't feel as bad about this one for some reason. Um, what did you think? You know what? This is what I do think. This, this is what I think. This is why I think about all of the southern states, because it, it seems to be a theme there, oddly enough. <laughs> so the southern states are putting these on. Are they actually tracking the numbers or do they care? Because... I'm going to be honest, it doesn't seem like they, give, they, they don't care, so they're not going to track the numbers. So that if they don't track the numbers, then there's nothing to get back to them about, right? So I don't think they're tracking the numbers, but for those states that decide to track the numbers, I'm very curious to see what they come up with. Because I know that obviously they're way ahead in their vaccinations, which is awesome, which is hopefully where all of us are at at some point in time, sooner than later, right? But at the same time, it doesn't mean that if you have your vaccination shots that COVID is now, it's done, it's annihilated. You can't catch it. You are, no, man, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't work that way. So I, I'm just, as we've discussed, is it too much too soon? 
It might just be, but if they're not tracking the numbers, we'll never know. But for those that are, I'm very curious to see what the results are going to be. I really am. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope the vaccination and you know they were able to you know keep it down. Uh, yeah, it's tough to see uh, for a sporting event. Uh, you know, putting that many people at risk. But um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll see how it pans out down there. Uh, okay, why don't we touch base on a few of the other fights? Uh, the co-main event was really a, a non-fight uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, Tony Ferguson was super overmatched, uh, was not able to mount really anything on Benil Dariush. Uh, Tony Ferguson, it was you know at the peak of this uh, weight division for many, many years and has been one of the toughest guys to ever, ever fight in the lightweight division. Uh, but three tough, really brutal losses in a row. A lot of people starting to ask the question, should this be it? I hate when people want to retire somebody early. Um, I hope it's not the end of him, but uh, tough to see a guy go from 13 wins in a row to three losses in a row and uh, in pretty brutal fashion. Yeah, and but against like the cream of the crop, uh, the upper echelon of that division, right? Um, and also kind of a little worrying that he's been beat the same way twice now. Once in dominant, dominant fashion by Oliveira on the ground, and again by Dariush with more of a positioning type attack, but still effective and kind of shut him down. And also, too, um, I, I think what was that second round where he Dariush put that leg lock on, on Ferguson? He's not going to be fighting for a while. That's what I'm going to say from that, because Dariush even said in the post-fight interview that he heard his knee pop, and the guy kept fighting after that. I, it, There's no question about how tough Tony Ferguson is, because like, he just did that, all right? But now that the fight is over, that dude is super injured. He won't be fighting for quite some time. So at least he has time to sit back and think, like, what his next steps are, because obviously the UFC is not going to tank his contract or anything like egregious like that right away but can he be considered still like yes he can still be considered a top 10 but not a top five guy not right now not anyways and also too for him to try to fight his way back to get a shot at the strap oh man now he's like three fights away if not four fights away he's look he's quite a quite a number of fights away so yeah yeah, it made me uh, start thinking about uh, all those times where they were trying to get him and Khabib fighting and it never happened. I think Khabib would have absolutely you know, dominated him so badly because he hasn't shown really great takedown defense, hasn't really shown the ability to uh, get up off, off his back, has um, you know been able to um, have some submission attempts, that type of thing. So uh, it made me really think that there was a lot of hype behind him, but he wasn't at the level of a lot of these guys that are just so great at grappling and so good at that ability. But um, toughness factor, I don't know if there's ever been a tougher fighter uh, in UFC history. He just has amazed me at how much he can take for pain and still keep coming. Uh, you and I would have uh, yeah, not been able to continue. Uh, if you hear your knee pop, that's it. Okay. Tap, tap, tap. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's 
printed out something and posted it on his social media, said Jesus didn't tap. And uh, we've heard that comment before, but um, my God, uh, nobody can question that this is one of the toughest human beings to ever enter the octagon. And, and uh, yeah, I hope he's not done. I hope they put him against Cowboy or they put him against, you know, some old veterans, some guys that, uh, you know, have had a lot of great careers as well. Uh, I don't think he can move himself up to the uh, title shot for a really long time, maybe ever. But uh, I don't. I think there's still some battles that he could have that'll be really fun to watch. Yes, I, I think he still has something left in the tank, so to speak. And yeah, uh, but as for title aspirations, as far as that goes, I, I think that might be something in the rear view now. Um, I do want to just uh, focus on one of the craziest um, delayed knockouts I've ever seen. Uh, this Edson Barbosa Shane Burgos fight to uh, open up the main card. Uh, I don't think anybody's seen a delay that long from a strike and a guy ended up falling and going unconscious. It was, I don't even know, I should have started to make it the count when I saw the replay, but uh, to go four or five seconds after a shot absorbed and to actually not be able to stand and fall all the way back to the cage and go unconscious, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. At, at first, I was just like, what? What's going on? What, what, what's happening to him right now? Like, I didn't know what was actually happening. Where I'm just like, oh, that's, that's kind of odd. And I'm like, is that from the shot he just took? Because... Usually that there's an immediate response, not a delayed response of, like you said, four to five seconds. And all of a sudden that he, he stumbles backwards and he's out, he's out. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh my goodness. The heck is that? Yeah, man. Because up to that point, that fight was one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. It was super technical. It was tit for tat. Uh, and Barboza was tearing up his lead leg with those kicks. But Burgos was landing huge body shots from his punches and great jabs. It was, it was, it was one heck of a fight up until the fight was over. And it was unexpected. It was super unexpected. I did not see that coming that end. Yeah, no, that was amazing. It was, it was an incredible battle, just both super tough. Uh, Barboza's kicks are just so lethal, so brutal. Uh, he, he just gives some crazy, crazy, crazy leg kicks. And it's amazing anybody can stand after them. Uh, I think Barboza is the only guy to ever win a fight with uh, head kick, body kick, and leg kicks. He's been able to take out opponents in, in all fashions. Uh, Burgo showed that he's super tough, but his body just shut down. It was just amazing. Like, you saw his eyes start moving around a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he just started staggering back and go down and, and be out. Uh, yeah, it was just shocking. I think nobody was uh, knowing exactly what was happening at first because a, a shot hadn't been landed in a while. He was moving, looking like he was ready to hit, throw another punch or at least block some. And then to go down like that, uh, yeah, I think that, that sort of sent shockwaves through the whole entire mixed martial arts world. And and it was uh, one bizarre way to end a fight like that. I, I guess it just goes to show that the, the human body has limits. That was him hitting his limit. Yeah. That was his body saying, that's enough punishment for me. I'm going to sleep now. 
uh, we'll wake you up a little bit later. All right, cool stuff. Like it, it basically, that was it. Like that was as much as his body could take. Yeah. And so it went to sleep. Yeah, it's good to see Barboza at his proper weight. Uh, he, uh, yeah, has looked so good in these featherweight tilts. And um, yeah, I think he's uh, going to move up the ranks uh, and uh, have some really great opponents. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was crazy. Uh, the number 13 guy, Barboza, beat number nine guy. So he should get a, a top 10 opponent and maybe be in the top 10 himself after that war. Uh, you talked about the body breaking down. Well, uh, this fight, which was the featured fight on the prelims, involved a broken arm that they decided to replay so you could hear it. You could see it snap. It was gruesome for people that uh, don't like that type of thing, don't want to hear or, or view it. But um, to for Andre Muniz to actually beat one of the greatest grapplers of all time in Jacare Souza and break his arm like that. It was a historic feat. And um, man, I, uh, another tough guy who just looked down at his arm a few times after and went, yeah, I guess it's broken. Uh, man, these guys are just legendary tough. They're on a different level. They're on a different level of toughness because even, even his reaction to his broken arm was not much of reaction. Wouldn't have been our reaction, which is, ah, my arm, it's broken, like that. that that's how a normal person reacts. A normal person just doesn't look at it and just go, ah, I guess it's broken. All right, let's bring it back. And like, it's just super calm about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to say about Munoz's uh, submission win, I, I haven't really seen an arm bar done like that, you know, like, because like, it looked like his arm actually got caught in an awkward position and he didn't realize it because that wasn't a normal sort of arm bar that you ever do. Like, like it was, it was very much an innovative arm bar submission win. And also I, I don't know if I'm that much of a fan of them when they replay the things that disgust you, you know, like I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm right there with you. I, I don't think I like it that much because right. when they did replay it, my mind said, you probably don't want to watch this. Maybe just step out until they go to the next fight. But I'm like, ah, I probably should watch it, though. And then you could actually see where it breaks. And then you, you, you see it. You see the, the jolt of the <laughs> yeah. body. And then, you're, and then you hear it. And you're like, oh, I didn't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I what you it. mean. Yeah, I, I remember Joe Rogan saying, uh, DC's not watching right now. DC's looking away. DC's not... He doesn't want to see it. He's, yeah, he was doing play-by-play -play commentary on DC's reaction to it. So, yeah, no, um, yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, these things happen. Uh, usually a guy taps when he knows he's in that kind of a tough position. But like you say, it was a position where you didn't immediately know that it was um, you know, going to result in that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I've broken a lot of limbs. Uh, I didn't react that way ever. Uh, the Jacare <laughs> did. Uh, just looking at it going, ah, damn, it's broken. Uh, yeah, crazy, crazy toughness, crazy finish. And, and uh, yeah, I saw the replay many more times than I need to see. Uh, but um, Munoz, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he proved that he is a hell of a grappler. 
and uh, we'll move up in the ranks. Uh, he was the underdog in this one, but uh, emerged victorious with a, a huge submission win. Um, yeah, okay, let's talk about a couple of the other ones. Uh, this featherweight fight between Lando Venata and Mike Grundy, uh, one of my favorite fights of the year. Uh, just really two tough guys going out of two. And uh, Lando Venata, he's uh, he's such a uh, an interesting uh, fighter. He has great movement, uh, super tough guy. And uh, man, he looked great in this uh, in this win. Grundy looked good too. But um, uh, what was the the final number? Uh, he only landed three of twenty takedowns uh, that he tried to put on Venata. Three of 20. So the takedown defense from Venata is second to none and a super impressive victory for him. Especially against uh, uh, Grundy, who his wrestling caliber is right up there. It's one of the best in his division. And so with him stuffing every takedown attempt, super impressive. And that actually was the point that got him the win. That, that was it right there. And then... I, I love Venata. I love his striking style because it seems effortless. Like it, it, it matches who he is. Like sometimes when it comes to strikers, you got to strike the way that you are. Like it's, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's almost like a personal thing on how you strike because then that, that it kind of shows people, this is who you are as a striker or as a fighter. And this, the way that he flows with the strikes is just, it's amazing. He's creative and he's clever with his striking. The thing I do want to point to about this particular fight, though, was at the end of the fight, it was a split decision win for Venata. What are you talking about? Yeah, brutal. The one judge had Grundy winning 30 to 27. I got big old question marks there. And, I, and, and that happened a couple of times in this, on this event with some of the judging. You get, that's, gotta, that, that's unacceptable. You cannot have that. You cannot have that 30 27 for Grundy what were you watching what fight were you watching yeah it was, it was terrible yeah there was some very questionable judging on this card uh, I received some text from our friend Scott Holburn he uh, he was only watching the main event and he couldn't believe that uh, there was uh, terrible decisions on the card and I said oh yeah it's been all night there's been some really questionable ones uh that was a horrible horrible decision for a judge to give it 30 27 grundy because yeah he didn't win the these rounds at all so it was really shocking and and it, yeah I'm, I'm hoping these athletic commissions can weed out these guys that make these terrible choices and and we don't have to talk about it and and just be shaking our heads like a uh, split decision in this case was just so wrong and and just, yeah, uh, not cool at all. Uh, this person shouldn't be judging fights if that's the way they saw that one. It was bad. Yeah, no, that was, that was, that was horrible. That was horrible. And, like, whoever was the judge for that particular fight, you're done. I don't want to see you again. Later, yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah, a lot for your contribution, but uh, yeah, I think yeah. you should go find another employment, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lando Venata is um, one of Scott Holborn's uh, favorite fighters as well. And uh, I recommend if you want to see some really amazing fights from Lando Venata, one of the fights is against Tony Ferguson. Go, go and watch that fight. And it was an epic war. Uh, one of my favorite fights of all time. 
incredible battle. Um, yeah, Lando's fun to watch, and I'm glad he's doing well. He uh, he has moved down to 145. I think that's a better weight for him. And he said it was one of his uh, easiest weight cuts that he's ever made. So he's been able to figure out his nutrition, his uh, you know the proper weight cutting measures. And um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to see him do well, and uh, I really enjoy watching him fight. Uh, he's a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, let's touch base on a couple others. Um, this this battle between Jordan Wright and Jamie Pickett was uh, everybody's consensus early fight for one of the fights of the night. Uh, but um, man, Jordan Wright was the better fighter on this one. Man, did he ever put a lick in on Pickett? It was. Uh, it was an impressive, uh, impressive battle for the Beverly Hills Ninja. Um, what did you think of this one? Man, it was crazy. Oh, it was over pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> and especially when Pickett had him up against the fence. It reminded me of Travis Brown with the elbows to the side of the head. I remember that was the first time I, I saw that position and then saw how advantageous it could be for the guy that's standing up. And I was like, oh, I wonder why more people just don't do that. So that's what Jordan Wright did. And that was the beginning of the end for Mr. Pickett. Because once he threw those elbows, he wobbled them, threw some knee strikes to the head, and then it was over. Like it was, it was literally over the first minute, I think in the round one. And then that, yeah, man. So Jordan Wright comes back with a triumphant victory after his last loss, which was to, uh, uh, the special guy that did the spinning spinning back kick. Ah, you know you know who I'm talking about. I do, yeah. I, I can't remember his name right now, but anyways, he no, lost no. to that dude, and now he came back for this win, and he's impressive. Um, yeah, a picket unfortunately left his head exposed. Uh, just uh, yeah, once he took an elbow or two, I think he should have tried to uh, eliminate yeah. the uh, the clinch there and. Uh, but once he uh, buckled him, uh, got him down with some strikes and just kept at it. And uh, man, he wouldn't stop until the ref Kerry Hatley pulled him off. It was, uh, yeah, it was um, a, a, just a, a super impressive knockout. And wow. Uh, yeah, Jordan Wright to, is back. Uh, okay, why don't we just talk about the um, Antonina Shevchenko, Andrea Lee. Uh, Antonina's got the big name being um, a Shevchenko and uh, yeah, ha, you know, a lot of people suspected she was going to win. She goes in as a favorite, but um, Andrea Lee is one tough girl and, and uh, got the submission win right at the end of the second round of, uh, man, a, a really impressive performance by her. Uh, one of, uh, yeah, it was a very fun fight to watch. I, I thought uh, Shevchenko was going to win, but uh, Andrea, Lee, Andrea Lee said, no, no chance. Uh, I'm the better fighter here. Yeah, yeah. It, the first round I thought was pretty close between the two. And then the second round, once Andrea Lee took her down, kept her down for the entirety of that round, where Shevchenko was trying to fight off either the triangle choke or, or the armbar submission. And eventually one of them sunk in, which was the armbar submission. But I couldn't imagine trying to fight off submissions for four and a half minutes straight, which is pretty much what Shevchenko tried to do. Almost got there. But uh, since we're going on uh, the topic of submissions or broken arms, 
she might have had a broken arm too as well from that from that submission. So I, I don't know if you saw just how far back her arm went. Unnaturally so. That's the, what I would say. It looked unnatural. So I don't know if she also suffered a broken arm from her submission. But uh, a great win by Angela Lee. Didn't expect her to pull it off. But um, when if you give yourself that much time in the second round to try to pull off the submission, your chances of winning are pretty good. Yeah, um, the the uh, fight bonuses were $75,000 for the first time ever. Usually they're 50K bonuses. I guess uh, Tony Ferguson said, Dana, please put them up to 75K. I want to win this bonus. I need the money. Uh, so Dana said, okay, for this one, we're making 75K bonuses for everyone. Uh, Charles Oliveira uh, got the 75K bonus. And... Barboza and Burgos won fight of the night. They both got 75K as well. And the very first fight of the night had Christos Gagos beat Sean Soriano uh, in a submission win in the beginning of the second round. And he gets 75K as well. Uh, hopefully they actually keep it up at this level going forward uh, or soon. Because um, yeah, it's it go it changes from two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand. I think the UFC can afford it. I would like to think that too. I would, but Uncle Dana's Uncle Dana. He don't like giving out money for no reason whatsoever. So this might be a one-off. It's unfortunate as it may be, it might be a one-off. But then again, it might not be. I I, I think that the chances of that being a thing are, are extremely low because Uncle Dana doesn't like giving money to anybody except himself. So I, I don't know, but it would be great though, because I think the fighters have earned it. I think they've earned um, the, the, the chance to make 75,000 instead of 50,000, especially with the new deal that they now have with Venom, which is apparently a more lucrative deal, a more lucrative deal that was supposed to be for the fighters, especially. So Along, the, along that line of thinking, then, if it's for the fighters, we really want to see them grow. We want to see these people accomplish their dreams. Then, hey, put it up to 75000 That's what I would do. If I wasn't, you know, greedy or a billionaire. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good point. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> Uh, good. Yeah. Well, it was a um, heck of a card. Uh, a lot of fun things to watch. Uh, the name we you wanted to come up with that we wanted to remember was Joaquin Buckley. Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> Buckley uh, Jordan Wright um, lost to uh, Joaquin Buckley by KO uh, earlier in 2020, November 2020. So. Okay. Um. Yeah. Great card. Uh, another one coming up on Saturday. Uh, this is back at the Apex, and the main event scheduled is Cody Garbrandt coming back. Uh, Rob Font will be uh, his combatant in the main event. Uh, what do you think about this one? I love it. I love it. I, oh, man, I, I really like that fight. You got two guys that are at the upper echelons of their division, Rob Font being on the streak that he's at. Uh, I Oh, yeah, I really like this fight. I really, really like this fight. It's going to be a barn burner, I believe. We haven't, we haven't seen Cody for a while. Uh, this is his book. It's called The Pact. 
Uh, it's called. It's it's it says on the front, a USC champion, a boy with cancer, and they're promised to win the ultimate battle. Uh, one of the best mixed martial arts books I've ever read. I fully recommend somebody getting it. Uh, the Pact. Um, really give a lot of respect to Cody after reading this book. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's a must read. Uh, I think if you're a Garbrandt fan, uh, which I have been for many years, and uh, yeah, he hasn't fought in a while. Uh, glad to see him back, and uh, it's cool to see uh, he's in the main event again. I uh, hope we, we see a really great, great, great war. Yeah, I, I, I would expect that you would see something great and, and fantastic from both of these men because they always put on a show. They, they always do. Uh, the fight that starts off the main card on Saturday is the fight between Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian. Uh, that was supposed to happen this past Saturday, and they postponed it for some reason. Uh, no reasons was were given, and I haven't heard anything so far. Um, we saw Shabazian get uh, dominated last time he was out against Brunson. Uh, I think uh, he's bitten off more than he can chew also with Hermanson here. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, Hermanson will probably uh, dominate this this win uh, and uh yeah i don't know about shabazian i think he's um yeah i think he's overhyped and i don't don't think he's going to be able to get a victory here yeah uh they're really throwing him to the wolves here aren't they um because i'm going to agree with you because if he can beat brunson how does he think he's going to beat hermanson who is so like he's better he's, he's a better he's a better fighter than brunson so um, unless he's tweaked his training to, uh, to a certain respect that he's now ready to take on these guys at this upper level, which I don't think he is. I just, I don't think he's there yet, but, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Hermanson wins this fight and I think, um, Shabazian has to retool and go back at working up the ladder instead of trying to skip some steps. No, I think he was overhyped and I, I'm not a fan of his coach and I just, yeah, I just don't think, I think they're uh, mismanaging his career and he's uh, biting off much more than he, he can chew at this, uh, at this level of his career yet. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plans out, but I don't, I don't think he's in for a good night. Uh, a couple other fighters that are on this card, uh, Ben Rothwell uh, has been rumored to be fighting for a while, has had a few cancellations. He faces Chris Barnett. Uh, Rothwell's always a good heavyweight to watch. Uh, we get to see Court McGee face Claudio Silva. Uh, should be a great battle. Um, Yancey Medeiros is on the card. Uh, Ricardo Ramos, Bill Algio. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good fights on this card. Uh, not the same stacked card as we saw this past weekend, but... Usually we get to see a lot of great fights uh, when these lesser light cards are on because these guys are, are battling for position and relevancy and uh, some of them USC debuts. Uh, I look forward to another great card myself. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a great card. It's got a lot of great fights to it. And uh, again, like you said, yeah, all these fighters are battling for positions, right, on the on the rankings and stuff. So. Uh, if you want to move up the rankings, you got to win. So I, I expect it to be a very good card coming up. We're less than two weeks away from the main event on Saturday, June 5th. What's actually happens to me on my birthday. Uh, there's a, got, a lot of good fights on that card. Tanner Bozer will be fighting. 
And the heavyweight main event has Jarzinho Rosenstrike against Augusto Sakai. Uh, so there'll be some heavyweight titans battling on that card. Uh, pretty excited and looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, yeah. That would be great, especially with those two big men going after each other because they're both strikers and they're, it's going to be a stand-up war. They're not going to be going to the mat, like at all. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, man. Uh, great uh, podcast as always. Fun to talk about the NBA playoffs and uh, great regular season wrapping up. And uh, USC 262 was, um, yeah, fun card. A lot of great battles. And uh, as usual, uh, nice to break it down with you. Yeah, man. Great breaking it down with you as well. Um, I am super looking forward to the NBA games tomorrow uh, as we start off our playoff run here. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Well, I hope um, you get uh, work figured out and I hope you get a chance to see a lot of these games and um, yeah, keep in touch through the week. Uh, we'll do this again in uh, seven days. You got it, man. Take care. Okay, you too. All the best, buddy. Bye for now. Okay, everybody. Uh, that wraps up another great edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I need to uh, address our partners and sponsors, and I'm going to pull our, our uh, website to show you uh, Anchor, Verbero, Pampas and Possibilities, and Forever Living. Anchor, fantastic partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media. They've been great at posting on multiple podcast platforms. Go to anchor.fm, and they will be able to help you create a podcast. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance and value. The V350 stick is a must to get if you're a player. Pampas and Possibilities, they design and sell dried florals, do floral arrangements and installations. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company, which grow and manufacture aloe vera based products for health and beauty. So thank you to all of our partners and sponsors as always. Thank you to everybody that contributes to our podcast platform. Uh, really exciting. We have some news coming up. The Complete Media Network is ready to launch. We're going to have lots of industries covered. We're going to have lots of people contributing to our website and to these podcasts in many different forms. So uh, keep your um, attention tuned to Complete Sports Media and uh, watch out for the Complete Media Network. It's going to be launched uh, in the coming weeks, and we're, we're very excited to bring a lot more content for you. So take care of yourself. Have a great week ahead. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and we will catch you again soon. Love you. Take care. Bye for now.